Welcome to Edgemont Bible Church in Fairview Heights, Illinois, where our mission is to glorify God by guiding people into a discipleship relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to today's message by our pastor, Douglas A. White. If you take your Bibles and turn them to Mark chapter 1, we're looking at verse 21 there. So Mark chapter 1. And if you take your sermon outline out, uh, today we begin part of a three-part series on rest, and then we're going to talk about those spirits that um, Jesus was um, authority over. Okay. Oh, junior church, you are dismissed to go to junior church. Sorry about that. I'll say a little birdie told me. <laughs> By the way, Sheila, thank you for that good bread. I'm enjoying that. Amen. One verse. Mark 1.21. Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. I know this is not going to come as a shocking revelation to you, but why don't you get the picture? Jesus is Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Found out this week. Who knew? Who knew? Now look, here's what we mean. This is a Jewish book about Jewish settings of a Jewish Messiah who is Messiah to all. But you've got to understand it as a Jewish setting. Once you put it in as Jewish setting, things start making sense. It's Sabbath, and he's at the synagogue. That's called a healthy habit. All right? And I'm going to talk to you about things that you can establish this year as healthy habits, because there is no better teacher of healthy habits than Jesus. Jesus is our rest. He is the healthiest habit we can possibly have. So let's just examine some of the things that habits, for better or worse, are a part of our lives. You have habits. Some of them are good. Some of them, not so good. Some of them you wish you didn't have. And you say, oh, if I could just break this habit, I have this awful habit. Listen, aren't you glad that you have the habit of brushing your teeth? Why don't you just think with me for a moment? Think of all the mental processes that have to happen to brush your teeth. One. It has to say to, this, this thing up here, has to say to the hand, reach down and grab the brush. It has to say to this hand over here, reach over and pick up the toothpaste. You pick that up. Now you've got to figure out how one gets to the other. Your brain tells you how one gets to the other, and there is a process there of unscrewing the cap, squeezing things on. You, some people are cursed to squeeze from the middle. Would you stop that? <laughs> squeeze from the end forward. Amen? All right. That's what I like about you. You're, you're agreeable people. Now, you're going to notice squeeze it, right? And as you squeeze it, it comes out in a certain place. How do you know when to stop? Do you know what I'm saying? How do you know when to... Why don't you just keep squeezing it? But you know when to stop, don't you? And as you know when to stop, now, knowing that you do the same thing every day, guarantee you, you'll start on the same side of your mouth, and you do the same action on that side of your mouth. Then you move to the other side of your mouth. You've got this whole routine you're going to go through. You know about how long you're going to do it. How do you do that? Memory. It's a habit, you know? It's a habit. And God designed us in such a way as to conserve our mental energy. Suppose that every time you brush your teeth, you went into the, the place where you brush your teeth, and you said, <gasps> how do you brush your teeth? Oh, good grief. Okay, um, why would you brush your teeth? What? Teeth? Where did I get teeth? You know, now if you had to go through all that rigmarole to figure out what you got to do and think it over each time, you would not be conserving your energy. But our Father designed us in such a way to conserve our energy. You know how to get back home again. Matter of fact, you could almost set the car on autopilot and he could do it. Because you know how to do How do you do that? By a habit. 
You've got habits, lots of habits, and God designed you to have habits so that you would conserve energy. You're not going to be confused every time. You know what you're going to do next. You do it habitually. Follow that? So habits, you have them. Healthy habits for life are prescribed, even commanded by God in Scripture. I want you to think with me for just a moment. Exodus 15, 26, from where we get this Yahweh Rapha over here. The Lord said to this, if you will do what I tell you to do, and if you will follow my way, I will let none of the diseases that I put on the Egyptians be on you. That's called health. That's a healthy habit. If you do this, I will do this. If you do this, I will give you good health. Those are healthy habits. Do you agree with that? You see where we're at? In, in Deuteronomy chapter 3, I want you to do that. Turn to Deuteronomy 5 just a minute. I want you to see some of these. Because my father gave us commandments for healthy living. He was not interested in us uh, dying out, being sick. That was not what he had in mind. So Deuteronomy 5, just for a second there. Let's pick up in verse 29. Deuteronomy 5, 29. <laughs> wow. Oh, that there was, they had such a heart in them that they would fear me, always keep all my commandments, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. He's saying, look, if they'll have the habit of actually participating in my life, if they'll actually have the habit of doing what I tell them to do, things will be well with them all their life and for their children. I want you to look again at another verse here, chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Chapter 6, 1 to 3. Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes. You hear those habits you're supposed to be getting into? And, and you are... Um, if you, if you fear the Lord your God, you keep all his statutes, his commandments, which I command you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Okay? He's promised us, if we would keep certain habits, that he would be well with us. De Deuteronomy 7, 12 to 15. And it shall come to pass, because you listen to these judgments and keep and do them, so in other words, you have established this as a habit, that the Lord your God will keep you, with you the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your land, your grain, your new wine, your oil, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flock, and the land which he swore to give to your fathers to give you. You shall be blessed above all peoples. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your livestock. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt, which you have known, but will lay them on all those who hate you. He was promising them a healthy life if you get into the habits. So there are certain habits he wanted. Um, I want you to turn to Proverbs just for a minute. Proverbs chapter 3. You've probably seen these before, and uh, maybe you never just thought of them in this context, but this is for your health. Here are commandments that God gives you that are the result of some healthy habits. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. My son, do not forget my law. So uh, this, this passage has some beautiful things in it. There is a negative there's a positive, and then there is a result, the promise that comes from it. Here's the negative. My son, do not forget my law. But here's the positive. Let your heart keep my commands. Get that habit. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Isn't it great to have all three? That's, it's length of days. So in other words, I'm going to have more than 24 hours. I'm going to get to have because I'm listening to what the Lord has to say, I can put more in that same 24-hour period, and it actually lengthens my day. Not only does it lengthen my day, he goes on to say, it will give me long life. So I'm not just lengthening the day, I'm lengthening the years. But 
I could have all of that and have nothing but conflict the whole time. He says, I'll give you peace for a healthy habit. Look at 7 and 8. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So that's the negative things. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. What will be if I'm just not wise in my own eyes? If I fear the Lord and depart from evil, then he's telling me this. It'll be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. That's pretty good promises, kids. That's pretty good promises. James 5.16. I'm going to cut down on some of this and not have good. No, I'll do Ephesians 6, 1 to 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is good. This is with promise that it may be well with you and you may live long. James 5.16 said this. If you confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. He's saying, here's the habit. I want you to get in the habit of talking to each other about the problems you're having, probably the, the, the things that you're doing wrong. And as you confess them and you pray for each other, there's a habit, then you will be healed. God was looking for healthy habits. You follow where I'm coming from? He was looking for us to be a healthy people. Let me go on further. Healthy habits are the result of good discipline. Uh, Jocko Willink uses a phrase called um, discipline equals freedom. When I first heard it, I said, wait a minute, I'm not going to go along with that because discipline, uh, freedom comes from obeying the commandments. Yep. What is discipline? It's obeying the commandments on a like regular basis. You follow where I'm coming from? Even when you don't think you want to do them. That's discipline. Okay, so discipline equals freedom. Healthy habits are the result of good discipline. Home discipline. Listen, when you when you have children born to you, you're responsible as a parent to train them. They don't know naturally how to do things, so you, you're responsible to train them to do the right thing. And with that training then, hopefully what you're doing is giving them personal discipline. Now they start saying, I'm going to do this because I know it's the right thing to do. That's my personal discipline. Then there's also teachers. Uh, fools don't like instruction. So fools don't listen to instruction. But wise people listen to instruction. So if you're a wise person, you should listen to the instruction of your teachers who are trying to tell you, avoid this problem. Look, you, you, you've got several ways to learn, but I can think of two that really stand out. One is listen to your teachers and do what they say. Or two, there's experience. Sometimes that's helpful. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a very secure lesson that you just learned. It was painful enough that you remember, don't ever do that one again. Or it was joyful enough, you said, I'll repeat that one again and again and again. All right. So teachers, elders, with good elders, you can have good training and good friends. So choose your friends carefully. Don't be friends with fools because you will learn habits from fools. Don't be friends with an angry man, Proverbs says, because you you're friends with an angry man. You're going to learn his ways. You're just going to be angry. Get away from those people. Don't be around them. Practice good friends so that you have healthy habits. Well, Jesus is our example of healthy habits. Let me show you what Jesus did. In, in, let's go back to Mark now. I'm sorry. I'm take us back to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1. A couple of other passages say this, that Jesus went to synagogue as was his habit or his custom. So Jesus had a habit that he got from his mom and dad, his mom and dad taking him to synagogue every Sabbath and having Sabbath and obeying Sabbath. Jesus is learning Sabbath and he's practicing Sabbath. He shows up at Sabbath because it's his habit. Okay. So uh, Jesus is our example of healthy habits. I want you to notice, here are 11 things that I observed that Jesus had healthy habits with. We're not going to focus much attention on these today. I'm just going to simply name them. And as we name them, we'll see them throughout this book of Mark as we go through it. Number one, continuous trust in the Father joyfully. This was not a duty with him. This is something he trusted his dad. He knew his dad could not make a mistake. Therefore, when Jesus is coming across things that in a sinful world, I mean, you're the son of God, but you're living in a sinful world, and there are all kinds of traps everywhere. He trusted his father instead and did it joyfully because he knew that's the way to avoid the landmines. 
That's the way to avoid the traps. Follow your dad. Your dad's got the right thing going. Joyfully follow him. So he's, he's looking around enjoying the fact that he's trusting the Lord. Not one of those that have to say, I know things are really rough. We're just going to have to trust the Lord. Now, think about that just a minute before you say that. You guys can say, things are really rough. Oh, I trust the Lord. Hallelujah. This is going to be great. It's joyful trust in the Lord, okay? Number two, continuous, sincere, confident prayer. By sincere, I mean Jesus prayed from his heart all the time. He recognized what needs he was seeing, and he brought those needs before his Father. It was confident. He, he said at one point, Father, I'm crying out to you. I know I don't have to because you always hear me, okay? But I'm going to do it for their benefit. I want them to see that I'm crying out to you because I know you always hear me. That's confident prayer. Listen, we, we know this. We have confidence that we will have answers to prayer when we know we are praying the will of God. So all we have to do is stick with the Word of God to find out what the will of God is and pray those kind of prayers. Continuous, sincere, confident prayer. Number three, extensive knowledge of and confidence in the Word of God and His role in it. Man, listen, he says he got to this synagogue how's it said here, and, uh, and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. I guess. He's like its author. <laughs> uh, you know, if, when you write something, you probably can know how you meant it. And here is the Son of God, the Word of God, speaking the Word of God, and they're hearing it saying, wow, that guy speaks with authority. Yes, because he is the authority. When we read the Word of God, and coming from the Word of God, we ought to understand, guys, that speaks authority. So Jesus understood the, uh, the Word of God and his role in it. He knew what was supposed to be going on. The, I think it's a fascinating study when you try to think about how Jesus had to learn the Word of God being the Word of God. You follow where I'm coming from? That's an amazing thing. He's being taught by the Holy Spirit, and as he's being taught, he's saying, whoa, that's talking about me. That's about me. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. This is my calling. This is what I've been given, okay? So extensive knowledge of and confidence in the Word of God and His role in it. Number four, continuous focus on the kingdom of God and His mission. He wasn't pulled aside by feasts and celebrations. He wasn't pulled aside by any other thing. He enjoyed being around people, but he wasn't pulled aside by it. It says in, in John that he did not commit himself to anyone because he knew what was in people. Jesus is, is spending his time focusing on his mission and the kingdom of God. That's a healthy habit. He was on constant vigil on the well-being of his people. He's always looking out for them. He looks at them and sees them as sheep not having a shepherd. He looked at them and saw them as exhausted, as lost, not knowing where they're supposed to go. You have to study people to know that. You know, I've asked Jesus several times, would you give me the eyes that you have? When he goes into Canaan, or I'm sorry, into Samaria, and he's there at the woman at the well, and he's having a conversation with her, he's a Jew speaking to a Samaritan woman. There are two things wrong with that. One, you're not supposed to speak to women. Number two, you're not supposed to be speaking to Samaritans. But he's doing it. And the disciples are going, what are you doing? Yeah, that's, that's like the wrong girl to talk to. Why are you talking to her, man? It's bad enough we had to go in and buy sandwiches, but you, this, what are you doing? And he says, I have food to eat if you don't know anything about it. I don't need that sandwich. And then says, look on the fields. They're white unto harvest. What? They're in Samaria, for crying out loud. How could Samaria be an important place? And he says, that's where the fields are white unto harvest. Kids, I got to tell you, sometimes I look at the world and I'm not looking at white fields. I'm looking at people going, how did you do that? It was a dumb idea. How could you be so wicked? You know, I'm thinking, not even thinking about my own self. You, you understand where I'm coming from? I don't always see white fields in the harvest, but he does. Man, you got to study people. You've got to be focused on your mission. You've got to know what you're doing to be able to look and see there's a harvest that's ready to go. 
Number six, there was a practice of love that eliminates fear. You know, Jesus was never afraid of the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the, the Herodians, of Herod, of Pilate. He's not afraid of those guys. Why? He had perfect love, and perfect love casts out fear. Number seven, regular compassion to meet needs. Jesus was moved with compassion. Time and again, you see it say, moved with compassion, he did this. He healed them. Number eight, continue awareness of the multiverse and its activities. We are not living in only one universe, kids. There are parallel words going, worlds going on right now. You, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven, but he can. He could see where his father was all the time. He could see what spirits were, were going on. He could see all the things there as a parallel universe going on. He was ministered to by angels, it says, when he was uh, being tempted in the wilderness. That's on a different level than most of us operate. Would you agree with that? Uh, that's, that's a different level of something that's going on there. And there's also that world of where the departed dead are. That's not in the presence of God. The, the, the departed dead at the time where Jesus is, he's aware of what's going on in Sheol. That's, that's a different world than what was going on in heaven. There are multiple things happening. And I think the common term for it is multiverse. That's not what was used years ago, but uh, that, that's nonetheless what they felt. Continue awareness of the multiverse and its activities. Number nine, good balance of solitude and togetherness. Jesus wanted to be with people. He went out of his way to be with people. But he also knew how to be in solitude. Listen, he knew, i got to get away and get to myself and have prayer with my dad. I've got to have that alone time. That alone time is just as important as my together time. It was because of good alone time that he could be together. It's not because of good togetherness that he would be alone. It was being alone that helped him know what does he need to talk about and focus on when he gets together. Can I tell you, that's what the seventh day was about. That's what the Sabbath was about, a time to pull away so that you can kind of look the week over and say, wait a minute, what am I up to? What? I'm, I'm, I've been so wrapped up in everything here, I'm not getting an idea of what I need to be doing. It was rest. Well, let's go on a little further. Good balance of solitude and togetherness. He engaged read, um, reading and uh, teaching. He it was engaged attendance at synagogue every Sabbath and required temple festivals. He was the one who told Israel what a Sabbath was. He was the one who told Israel what festivals he wanted to celebrate. And he's showing up. He's engaged in it. It's not just that he came and observed. Let's see how you guys are doing synagogue. No, he's in it. He's in it. He is participating in it. And, and can I share this with you? Nowhere in the Torah was he ever to have synagogue. Torah doesn't teach synagogue. Synagogue came out of the Babylonian captivity. That's where that came from, where they had a need to be together because they were not in the land anymore. So they created synagogues, places to be together, so that they could keep their faith going. Everybody follow that? Then when that ended, when the captivity ended, they came back to the land and kept the synagogues going. That became their regular meeting places. Well, um, then uh, number 11, proper understanding and practice of Sabbath and rest. He had that. He had, because he had a good understanding of it, he could practice it. It was a healthy habit. Everybody see where we're coming from on this? There are 11 at least healthy habits, observations we can make that Jesus disciplined himself to have as habits. We need to be a disciplined people ourselves to have some of those habits. Look, you don't go to church so you can fill in that block for the week. You go to church to see who's there. Who, who can I pray for today? What am I going to learn from God today? What am I going to find out today? This is, it's, it's a gathering. I'm going to be in the walls of God's name. I, I want to know, what does God have to say to me today? What do I need to learn from everybody? What am I going to encourage today? Who can I encourage? I'm looking forward to saying somebody I can say, here's what, and, and maybe I'm just going to give a testimony. Here's what the Lord did for me this week. What a wonderful week I had, man. On, on Tuesday, he did this. And Thursday, this, this kind of thing happened. 
All right? So, healthy habits. Now, let's go from there. Jesus' healthy habit of Sabbath and habit of rest. Let's turn to Mark chapter 2 just for a minute. Mark chapter 2. And verse 23. Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. Now, I'm going to stop just a moment here. I'm having some difficulty understanding that one. He's, uh, to go through grain fields, what do you have to do? You have to walk, right? And that sounds a little bit like work. But you're walking. <laughs> Uh, they're walking through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. What does that tell you? They're hungry. They're hungry. Anybody ever eaten wheat grain? Well, I'm just going to say this. You've got to be hungry, okay? Uh, it's it's kind of, uh, wheat's got this nice little head on it, like so forth, and you, you, you pull that off, but you don't put that in your mouth because it's, it's, it's like uh, it's worse than broccoli stems, okay? You rub this between your hands, and that gets that stalk off because what you're wanting is the little tiny nut that's inside there, that little wheat berry. Then you're taking that out. Mmm, chewy. I, I, I know this. God did not design you to eat a lot of wheat berries at a time. It's too much work. Oh, good land. But you have to do all those things. Now, that's what they're doing. So they're plucking, rubbing between their hands, and they're eating wheat berries. All right? And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do that when it's not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, Now, who, who created? Well, we'll get there in a minute. But he said to them, have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. So you've got these 12 loaves of bread that show up on the table, got this table of showbread here, and you're supposed to daily change those things, so you've got 12 loaves of bread there. David and his boys were hungry, and he knew that in there has to be 12 loaves of bread. There's a bunch of guys here. Let's get the 12 loaves of bread. He went in and took it. That's not your bread, David. That's for the Levites. You cannot have that bread. Now, he simply asked that as a question. Didn't you read that? Didn't you read that that's what David did? Now, go on further. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man also the Lord of the Sabbath. All right, now let's start there. If anybody can teach us about the Sabbath, it needs to be this one. Because he's the Lord of the Sabbath, right? This is the one who created the Sabbath. This is the one who knew exactly what he wanted. If, if I can say further, that's the one who back here on day seven said, I'm done. I'm taking some time and I'm resting right here. Now, I want to share this with you. Everything else was still going on. There were still plants that were watering themselves. There was still growth going on, all the things. And why is he enjoying that? Because he's not having to do anything, and it's all working. That's a clue, kids, to rest. You may believe that the world can't go on if you don't keep doing something. But I'm going to share this with you. You are wrong. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. It will still go on. You're not the one holding the world together, Herc. Hercules, you know, well, never mind. Or Atlas, I guess it is, huh? Atlas, yeah. You're not the one holding it together. You're not the one who's got the whole world. The whole world is not going to fall apart. Your account is not going to fall apart. He wanted you to stop and understand and know that I'm Yahweh Yira. 
I can provide when you're not doing anything. And that's a hint to the bigger picture we'll look at next week. There is something that Jesus is wanting to show with the Sabbath, something he's wanting people to understand. Now, get this next, next point here. Jesus created the Sabbath for man. He was not creating man for the Sabbath, and that's the way some people treat it, as if, oh, you've got to keep Sabbath. I mean, this is a, it, it's not about a duty. It's about resting. It's about stopping what you're doing and recreating refreshing yourselves, coming back to your God and understanding, what am I supposed to be doing here? How's this all go together? And you're supposed to spend that day with him. Let me go on further with you. Go to page two, if you would. Here we mean the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week, is a holy day of solemn rest to be kept as a perpetual covenant with God and Israel under penalty of death for violation. Look at Exodus 31, 15 to 16. Okay? Exodus 31, 15 and 16. Here's what it says. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh is a Sabbath of rest. Holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Therefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath and observe the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. On the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. Stop. This is being stated at a time when he's called a special group of people, Israel, the descendants of Abraham, and he's making a covenant with them. He's making a relationship. He is marrying them, and he's telling them, this is how we're keeping our marriage. He can't give them a ring. He don't give them circumcision as a sign of the, the covenant that he had with Abraham. What he's going to give to them special rules, special ways of living. You see, he's going to give to Israel the ring of Sabbath, the ring of Sabbath. They're going to keep the seventh day as a total rest day. Now, that tells me something. Nobody else was doing that. A lot of times people tell me we're supposed to keep the Sabbath because it comes from creation. Yes, it does come from creation. And God used this creation point to bring it to Israel so that Israel know this is how you're showing that you belong to me. You don't belong to Baal. Baal doesn't do this. You don't belong to Asherah. Asherah doesn't do this. You don't belong to Marduk. Marduk doesn't do this. You don't belong to the Egyptians. They didn't do this. Only my people do this. That's how they're going to look at that, and they'll say, you are married to Almighty God. You're married to the Creator, because the Creator rested on that seventh day, and so do you guys. Okay, we get it. That's who you are. It is between Him and Israel. Unless you are Israel, it never was yours. Everybody follow me? It never was yours. All right, let me go further. That's how he's going to demonstrate. Now, matter of fact, let me just say it this way. There is no evidence that anyone before Moses ever kept the seventh day. No evidence. Noah wasn't doing it. Enoch wasn't doing it. Adam didn't do it. We don't know of anyone else that ever practiced it, that ever thought about it. It wasn't until Moses comes and makes a covenant with Israel and makes the Sabbath that covenant ring with them. That's how they were keeping it, all right? Letter D. The Sabbath was to be a total day of rest for not only the Israelites, but their workers, their beasts, any visitors in the area. Uh, so Exodus 20. This is the Ten Commandments. Here's what he said in Exodus 20 and verse 10. <clears throat> Let 
um, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. Now stop just a minute. It doesn't make sense to stop. If you're already on a roll, you've already got six days you've been working, and you've got just a little bit more you need to do right here, doesn't make sense to stop, and then that's what's going to make them different. That's what's going to make them a holy people. They are going to stop, and they're going to rest today and pick it up the next day, and it's still going to provide for them. God wanted them to see, just like he did at creation, everything's working the way I wanted it to work. I've given you six days to work. Here's a day that everything's still going to work the way I want it to work, but not you. You're not holding it together. You're not doing anything. You're going to stop just like you did. I quit creating on day seven. I wasn't doing any more work on day seven. Everything that I created was working. All right? So they're saying this, that now watch what happens. Verse 10, in the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who's within your gates. In other words, you've got somebody visiting you who's a Gentile. Guess what? He doesn't get to work either. Everybody's done. Nehemiah was so strong about this. When people started to come in and sell things on the Sabbath, he drove them out. You're You're not selling anything in here. No, get out. The Sabbath is a day of rest. You can go back tomorrow. And that's the way they operated it, okay? Because that's what they understood the Word of God said. Letter E, the Sabbath is a holy convocation. I ran across this one, and that's, that's when I started thinking, whoa, that's a little bit different. As he, uh, in the Word of God, he says, the Sabbath is a holy convocation. Now, wait a minute. Holy convocation is the word he used. That's, you can find that in, matter of fact, let's, let's do that. Leviticus 23. Again, I don't want you to base your practices on something I said. Let's have the word of God. Luke 23. All right, Luke. Leviticus 23. Look at verse 3. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You should do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. That's the same word he used about all the people showing up at Israel, in Jerusalem. When, you, when he calls a holy convocation, everybody shows up in Jerusalem. That's what Passover was. That's what uh, Pentecost was. That's what was supposed to happen. They, they had a holy convocation. But if you're not supposed to travel or do much work, how are you going to have a holy convocation? In your home. That's your holy convocation. What's important? Everybody in your family gets to sit at that table. Everybody that lives in your household is going to have Sabbath. None of them are going to work. None of them are going to do any common work at all. They're all going to sit there in that Sabbath, eating that meal, enjoying that time with you, being recreated, being refreshed. That's what everybody's going to do. Not, the, the kids don't have to do this because they've they got video games, so they can go. No, everybody was going to observe Sabbath. You follow what I'm saying? It was a holy convocation. It was a gathering with other believers to focus on God and his word. That's what's supposed to happen. Number, letter F, the Sabbath is to be a holy day that is completely different from the other six in the week. That's what makes it a holy day. It, you're not going to do the same thing on that Sabbath that you did on the day before. You're not going to do the things. Matter of fact, what you're supposed to do was on the day before, get everything ready so that you didn't have to do anything on Sabbath. In other words, you're going to have your meal ready. You're going to have your meal ready the day before so that you just pull it out and eat it because you're not going to be starting a fire. God will take care of you. He was wanting you to see, I will take care of you. Stop doing your work that you think you're taking care of yourself. One of the bad things about our work as we often thought we were doing it ourselves, that we're providing for ourselves. That's one of the things he warned them about in Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 8. 
when you come into that land and I prosper you and I give you the things I told you I was going to give you and you've worked hard, don't think you did it by yourself. I have given this to you. If you're going to focus all your time on your work, you're going to believe that you are the one who did this. You're the one that provided this wonderful home you get to live in. You're the one who provided all this food you get to have. What he was saying, I want you to stop. On that day, you're not providing anything. I want you to see I can take care of you. All right. Uh, Isaiah the prophet had already been given the word of the Lord regarding acceptable Sabbath. It's not Jesus' teaching as a new thing. Jesus is teaching what he already had said in Isaiah. So Isaiah 58, would you turn to Isaiah 58, please? Isaiah 58. pick up, first of all, in verses 13 to 14. It says, If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honorable, and you shall honor him, not doing your own ways, not finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to rise on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now watch the difference here. If you believe, this is what he's telling them. If you believe that I created the Sabbath as a duty to you, you will miss the whole point. I'm creating the Sabbath for you to rest and I'm trying to prescribe to you, don't fool around with me. I'm telling you, don't do these things. It's got to be different. You can't treat it like any other day. I will take care of you. I want you to spend time with me. I'll take care of you. Don't do something else. Just rest. And with that rest, I'll make all kinds of provision for you. I want you to find delight in that day. I want you to look at this day and say, ha, 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 day of rest. Yes, I am so glad to have a day of rest. Thank you, Father. You are really great. I wonder what's on the TV. No. No. That wasn't it at all. It was to say, I want to take delight in you. I want to enjoy you. I'm not even going to think of my own thoughts right now. I'm going to start thinking your thoughts. And I'm going to take delight in that because that's a wonderful thing. Now, let me share this with you. If you're one of those busy people who believe that what, what you think about and the way you think, you've always got to be thinking. You've always got to be working. You're going to have a hard time with the Sabbath, and it's exactly you he was looking for. You're killing yourself. You're destroying your own image of God because you're not being recreated. You're not being refreshed. You are making yourself in your own image. You follow where I'm coming from? So he said this. Stop pursuing your own interests. Make the Sabbath delight instead of a dull duty. Make it a day worth honoring. Find delight in Adonai instead of your usual things or your interests or even speaking of them. So um, that's what the Lord Jesus Christ, this, um, this is what Isaiah had said even before Jesus gets here. Because Jesus is trying to give his people some notion of what I mean by the Sabbath. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it your own way. You're, you're, you're making it a dull duty. You're making it look like I'm asking you to really grieve yourself. Oh, we can't do any work today. Oh, boy, I hate Sabbath. We'll be glad when the Sabbath. So, matter of fact, that's what they said in Nehemiah. I can't wait till the Sabbath is over so we can buy and sell again. Good grief. This Sabbath is in the way. People, that's not what he had. Producers need to produce. And finding time to rest, what are you talking about? I've got to be producing all the time. That's who God is looking for. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. You need to rest. You need to pull your head back together again. Now, I think he made another little hint. Why don't you look with me at uh, verses 6 to 12. Is, not this, is this not the fast that I have chosen? Now it seems to be talking about a fast. But I think they are related in this. People were fasting on the Sabbath. 
and acting like their affliction, you're there because they're afflicting themselves, God would listen to them. Look at us. See us down here? We're emaciated. We're, we, we stopped eating for a whole day. And we're, and we're now falling apart here. You see this, God? So now we're crying out to you. He's saying, you think I'm impressed with that? I'm not impressed with that. Watch what he says here. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? If you do that, then your light shall break forth like the morning. In other words, you get this habit right here. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, what will happen? Then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones and you shall be like a watered garden. Are you beginning to see what healthy habit is? He goes on. And like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall, re- shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. And he said that's what the fast is about. But can I share with you? Jesus on the Sabbath did exactly these things. I, I've got a list of things here that, of, of different Sabbath practices that Jesus got into trouble with them about. One of them was this lady that was infirm, and she came walking in to the synagogue there, and she's all bent over and all hunched over, and she'd been to doctors, and nothing had happened, nothing had changed. And Jesus said to her, stand up straight and walk. She stood up straight and walked. They said, you can't work on the Sabbath. And he said, look, if you've got a donkey in the ditch, you go pull it out. If you've got a sheep that's been caught in the the, the thicket there, you go pull it out. Now, look, if that bondage you know you're willing to get rid of, Why shouldn't this woman who's been oppressed and bonded by the adversary for all her life, why shouldn't she be free? That's letting the bonds of weakness break. You follow me? Jesus was doing the very things that Isaiah 58 said. Jesus was making the Sabbath so that you can eat when you're hungry, even if you have to work to do it. Everybody follow me? Jesus was saying there are certain things about the Sabbath you're not understanding at all. You missed the point. He even went so far as to say in one place, you've done all these things and you keep all this, and you, yet you have missed the bigger issues of mercy and justice. That's this. Jesus was calling on us to be a people who are conscious of the problems of people, who take a rest in him and who seek on those days to assist people. I'm just going to say, Jesus didn't go out looking for things to do on Sabbath. His father directed him where things were happening. His father directed him to a synagogue in which somebody with an evil spirit is going to be. His father directs him to a synagogue again where some blind guy is going to be. He directs them to different places on the Sabbath when there are people who have a need and he takes care of it. He didn't go looking for those things. So I'm not saying that when it comes to a Sabbath, we should be out looking for things to do. It's not at all. We should be expecting things are going to happen that require the healing of God, that require the loosing of things. Because Jesus said himself, Come unto me, all who are labeled. And I will give you rest. But I'm just going to say this. The Sabbath, just like the temple, just like the festivals, were a shadow of things to come. 
Because there's a bigger issue at hand here, and it's the issue of rest. That's what we talk about next week. What's the big deal with rest? What was he wanting us to see with rest? Father, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for the truth of the gospel. We ask in the name of Jesus that you'll open our hearts to it and give us good understanding of what you want it done. Help us see Lord of the Sabbath. Help us understand what he's all about in Jesus' name. Oh, my. Did you hear in that song the Lord of Sabbath singing? He is your rest. He is your rest. That's the end of your works. The end of your works. You'll never work enough to make it. Not by works, which we have done, but by His grace He saved us. The Lord is your rest. That's why He's the Lord of the Sabbath. All right? Father, thank you so much for the gift of life everlasting in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you dismiss us with your grace and your peace just now and cause us to walk on those highways that you call us to walk. Teach us to be a people that rest fully and completely in you. Don't take advantage of that, but enjoy the fellowship we get to have with you. Being recreated, being refreshed, regenerated, renewed. Thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. We hope God has encouraged you with today's message by Pastor White. Thank you for joining us at the Edgemont Bible Church. We'd love to have you visit us if you're ever in the area. For directions, more information, or to support the ministry of Edgemont Bible Church, please go to our website at edgemontbiblechurch.org. That's edgemontbiblechurch, all one word, dot org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Edgemont Bible Church, where the Sunday morning message is broadcast live.